Welcome to another episode of my wake up call. This is where I got to change. I say the same thing every time, but it's because of the guests I have. I get to interview people who are up to all good and they have their work cut out for them because there's a lot of people who are up to no good. And we need the people who are up to all good. And I bring them to you, my listeners, uh, to inspire you. You know, if you're on the fence, we want to pull you over into being up to all good because we all need it. We need it soon. So without further ado, uh, let me tell you about Karen Hardy. I had the great honor to be on her show. Let me tell you about her. She's an Emmy-winning film co-producer. She's a known risk in, uh, industry pioneer. Uh, she built the best-in-class business risk operation from the ground up for a $7 billion, that's a B, organization that supported creating conditions for U.S. economic growth. Something that she's convinced about, I love people who stand for stuff and stand up for it. She's convinced that risk management is an opportunity for organizations and businesses and individuals to perform better. Let's face it, if you don't manage that risk, it's going to come up and swallow you up and spit you out. She's also convinced that more people would excel in their full potential if they understood and overcame the crippling fear of risk. She's the CEO of Strategic Leadership Advisors and Flip This Risk Brands. So Karen joins us now, and, but I'll, I'll ask you what I ask everyone. What do you think is your calling? What, what calls out to you? What, is the, what does the world say to you? Karen, can, can you get this stuff fixed? What is that? <laughs> you know, so every day I ask myself that question. There was a time when I would predefine a calling and then each day pursue that calling. But then I learned that every um, need doesn't uh, necessitate a call. That's because a lot of things are needed. It doesn't mean you're the one called to do it. And I think as I, as I got older, I start to just, you know, live each day to my best is my calling. It's not something, I, you know, an object that I'm pursuing, but I believe that if I li live my best and I allow for creativity and, you know, flexibility, all these things that happen through me, then I live, you know, I achieve that, that calling that you're talking about. I don't want to predefine it anymore because I think it's a human limitation when we predefine it. But if the outcome is that because of my engagement with you has changed something, my calling is done for the day. I like that. I like that. I might have to modify how I, I might have, <laughs> I might have to do post-production on over 120 <laughs> episodes now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, tell us what your, what, What's your focus? We did that in the introduction, uh, yeah. but unpack this whole thing about risk and the fear of risk and uh, what's going on in people that they, they just get paralyzed. Well, you know, first I think it starts with me before I can even help someone else define what that means to them, <laughs> right? I think, uh, you know, have your own personal experiences in that area helps you to connect to other people and you can talk the language because it, it sounds like one of those esoteric terms no one cares about or understands 
Well, you, when you break it down, you see it throughout your entire life, and then people get a, a handle on it. But I think by just starting with what makes me tick, and you know, and why I chose this field to make the connection, you know, mm-hmm. coming coming from a family of uh, ten, including eight siblings, living in a, a square footage house about that big in in Washington D.C., you know, you learn early on how to build alliances with people. You know, you learn how to make the most out of a small amount of space, how to maximize the moment. You learn all these things. You learn how to share. Uh, you learn how to establish a voice for yourself and a group of people, but still be a part of a group. You know, these are all the things I learned. And coming from a family that was poor, relatively poor, my mom was a cook, a short order cook for Marriott for about 40 years. And my dad was a uh, was a truck packer. He just you know put packages on the truck. And they both did not have anything past the eighth grade education. But yet I'm a doctor, right? A, a PhD, and I'm a result of that you know coupling of those two people. And it seems a little ironic because if you look at a cook and a truck driver, you don't expect to get X. You know who I am today. But one of the things that has always driven me was the fact that the odds were always against us. Never had enough, but I didn't know. <laughs> you know, didn't have anything fancy, never grew up with a microwave, never grew up with a with an air conditioner, none of those things, right? But we were happy and content and didn't know we lacked anything. But my mom really pressed education because she didn't have that chance to achieve it, even though she nursed all of us. She wanted to be a nurse. But, you know, she, you know, technically didn't become a nurse, but to us, she was a nurse. And she was able to keep together all these people, this unit, to work together, to respect one another, to help each other out, to watch out for each other, but at the same time, create this hunger of wanting something better and more. It was like part of her legacy was to, you need to do better and you need to contribute, right? So throughout my life, I ran into, you know, I had this chip on my shoulder because I always felt that there was something different about me, but I was never able to get into that lane. You know what I mean? That pipeline, you know, that pushes people out to the world, prepare with all their guns and all, you know, all the weapons they need to actually, you know, survive in, in, in the world, right? So all I had was my hunger and my drive and my resilience and this need to show people that it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. So it was normal for me to take risks early on, right? Especially in my career. I did some unorthodox things, not criminal, (laughs) just things that were different than your typical things. And I have a knack for changing something simple into something more than what it is. And I think that's been my signature as I figured my own self out. You know, so it's not one thing. That's why I started by saying that it's not one thing, a calling, one thing I'm aiming for. But it's the transformation that happens when I come in in contact with people or wherever I am, can I transform it to something else and then move on to the next thing. So that has been, you know, part of the, you know, my backstory and how I came to see and no risk. So I, I want you to unpack something because uh, you 
thank you that you just inspired the heck out of me um and i feel privileged to have you on really uh, unpack seeing something and being able to make it into something else because i think if people have a confidence that they can see something and instead of getting stuck by it actually make it into something else and then yeah. they have a track record of doing it. And then they have a track record of bouncing back when they fall on their face. Right. Right. Then other people say that's risky. And to them, it's not so risky because it's it's how they look at the world. And but can you unpack to the best of your ability what that's like from inside you? You know, uh, I often ask people. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, which I use in almost every podcast, so I'm, I'll use it again. Uh, I had a mentor uh, named Warren Bennis, and I mention him almost all the time because I miss him. But he had a he, he had a quote say, "Be a first class noticer. When you notice things, it's different than looking, watching, and seeing. When you look, watch, and see, you're an observer. But when you notice, you, you just tune into it. In fact, when yeah. I say it to people like you." almost 100% of the time when I say the word notice, I notice them taking the word into their head. I just noticed, notice got into your head. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you were able to notice things and then see how they could be something else. Whereas people who are afraid of risk, maybe they don't notice that. Maybe they don't notice the possibility. So can you give some examples of something yeah. that you noticed? and you could build it into something more different, whatever. You know, I don't know if it's just a gift or, or sometimes I thought it just maybe I'm a little crazy, <laughs> but able to take a blank sheet of paper. And I, I don't know who whose quote this is, I can't recall, but you know, you look at the world as, and ask why, but I look at the world and ask why not. And I think that's what the big difference is. Why not? I don't focus on why, but I focus more on why not which pretty much opens up the opportunity to create something from nothing, right? Uh, I think that's one of the most gratifying things that you can actually have. And the things I see, I don't know where it comes from, but I think it's an extension of, you know, understanding possibilities and achieving that personal best, you know, uh, somewhat being a perfectionist to some point. Um, I think all of us are perfectionists to a certain extent, but those who want to change the world and really impact it and create paths that aren't there already, they go, I think it, they go a step further. So it could be something simple. It's about going the next step up because everyone doesn't want to go the next step up or the next step forward. They're pretty comfortable where they are and where you are is pretty much that vanilla sheet of paper because everyone's doing it. But if you wanna do something extraordinary, it takes that extra oomph, that extra step to say, yeah, this may be a color orange, but what about red orange, you know? Um, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's more to it that can be beneficial to other people, you know? So in my career in risk management, for instance, I've been in situations, for instance, you talk about, you know, building a, a risk operation from the ground up. That's a Perfect example of starting from ground zero, blank sheet of paper. But if you come to the table with that, you know, what can this be? 
what's that extra step that I can add? It's like being an artist almost, you know, um, things like that can happen in a career. So I started with no resources for this program I was starting. And I remember when I was being interviewed for this job, the, the director asked, you know, if you're able to pull this off, you'll be the first one to do it. <laughs> because it doesn't seem like it was something that was achievable at the time. But, um, you know, I, I like a challenge. I like the idea of being um, involved in something that other people don't give a lot of merit to. Because that's where the opportunity is, right? The, the non-sexiest thing that I can find and then flip that over to be something more, I think that's where the satisfaction comes in. So if you're an individual and you're in a position where you're starting from scratch, you're either going to go with the status quo, you're going to find out what the you know, cookie cutter approach is, or you're going to innovate that, that opportunity and make it a little bit, a little bit more, right? Uh, it's no different than people what they do in business for the most part. So, I mean, so that's the motivating factor there for me. And I see things beyond what it is and I can't explain it sometimes, but I think everyone has a little bit of it. I just got a flash about you. I want to try out. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> is your mom still around? She was still alive? No. When did she pass? 10 years ago, last month. How many years ago? 10 years ago, last month, last June. Um, tell me if this is accurate. If it is, you'll need a handkerchief. If it's not, say, no, no, that, you know, it must be, it must be your bag. It must be your baggage, Mark. It's your baggage, Mark. I'm telling you right now, it's yours. <laughs> so here's what I hear coming from you. Mm -hmm. I hear you say, you know, Mark, uh, love my mom, miss my mom, appreciate my mom. I saw the sacrifice she made for all of us. I just saw it. And then not only the sacrifice, but the push for education, you can be more than this. And I think I felt so grateful because I just saw how hard she worked to do the right thing with all of us. And, and that message, you can be more than this. You can do so much more. It's almost like I want to honor her. I feel so yeah. grateful. I mean, it's just, even as you're talking, Mark, uh, I think we're both getting emotional because it's true. It's uh, uh, when you see someone and they're all about helping so many of us and then saying, and, and it's not like she was saying you're not enough. It was the opposite. It was, you can do so much more. And, and so a lot of my ambition and motivation is on a foundation of love and honor. Mm -hmm. And, and I love the way that feels. Yeah. I remember this, uh, there's a musician named Sting. You know, he's pretty well known. I know, I know. <laughs> well, one of the things that touched me because, you know, I go for this emotional stuff. And he said he was visiting his dad when his dad was dying. And, you know, he put his hand next to his dad's and he said, look, dad, our hands are the same. Wow. Our hands are the same. And he said, one of the last things that my dad said to me before he passed was, 
Yeah, but you can do so much more with yours. Uh, yeah. And I think your mom was saying that too. It wasn't a negative thing. And, and it feels, you know, because there's drive in you, but there's love in you. I mean, I can feel it. It's, it's not just this driven, yeah, yeah, I had a chip on my shoulder because, you know, you know, it wasn't given to me. But I can just feel your mom's love in you, believing in you, being proud of you, you wanting to honor her. Oh, yeah. So, so is any of that accurate, what I just said? You know, 100%. <laughs> oh, that's oh, 100% accurate. I love the way you, you phrased that and put it into context as well. Wow. It was not a negativity. It is, it is um, honoring my mother. And everything I do, you know, is, um, is connected to her legacy because mm -hmm. she deserved it. Uh, we're an extension of her story. Mm -hmm. The story didn't stop with her life on earth. We each are an extension, you know, of a story. And we keep that in mind. I keep that in mind all the time. You know, when we were growing up, you know, my mom would say, you know, there's a certain way you had to act or else, you know, if you acted up in the kid, as, in the, as a kid in the community, you know, people would know that you were, you know, Effie, Effie's kid. That's my mom's name, Effie, you know. So mm -hmm. you would do things to honor your, your, we would do things to honor my mom. You know, in terms of I can't do that because Effie will find out, you know, and that's not the way to present yourself, you know, and th these type of values came from a mother who had an eighth grade education was a short order cook. Mm. And we didn't have a mansion. My mother didn't even have a driver's license. <laughs> okay. She caught the bus to work at three o'clock p.m. And she would leave the food on the table before she left. And she'd come home at 11 o'clock at night. And we would wait outside on the sidewalk to watch her walk down the street from the bus stop at night. So to make sure she got home safely. That's what she did. You know, so um, that type of background makes me see through people a little bit more. I, you know, possessions, material things are great. It's a way to reward yourself, but that's not the, the driver here. You know, you can get things at any time, but that's why I always reinforce the transformation piece of, you know, investing in other people, engaging in people you don't know, and me for the first time, you know, that's what a calling is to me. Your mom was your hero, wasn't she? Yeah, she's my hero because she wasn't fancy. No. You know, we had hot dogs and beans and sauerkraut, you know, and for dessert, maybe some applesauce and maybe McDonald's once a month. <laughs> you know, she's my hero. Absolutely. She used to, you know, repaint old tables to make them new because we couldn't afford new furniture. You know, she did. She did a lot of those things. And I watched that, which was the best lesson you could ever give someone, you know not these other artificial things that you invest in. So I, real yeah. So I want to uh, uh, deconstruct a little of what Karen's teaching all of us. And if you're listening in, maybe this will, I hope it helps. Um, I think part of what makes us able to tolerate risk is that when something backfires or doesn't work out when we're moving out and we reach inside there's a there there mm -hmm. and if, sadly if you grew up 
with abuse, neglect. Yes. Uh, there's often not a there there. And I'm guessing that a lot of people who who come from that, as opposed to what Karen was fortunate to come from, when they run into an obstacle and they can't move forward, you reach inside, champion athletes reach in and they come up with heart. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think Karen's really giving us a lesson that it's not about possessions, but what kids need from their parents. And if you're a parent, what you need to give your kid, you need to be able to instill in your kid something so that when they take it in and they grow up and they run into a wall, and they reach inside, they find you. And she's, um, it's, it's, this is just such a wonderful story. Now, some of you may think, what if I didn't have that? What if I, did, what if I was abused? What if I was neglected? Um, I had good parents, but, you know, there, was, there were certain areas where, you know, it could have been improved. Uh, uh, I didn't have a parent who said, you can be whatever you have a mind to do. You know, I, I could often, there could often be criticism about, well, why are you doing that? That's just a waste of time. And, and so what I did is I, I developed, I had mentors. I had seven mentors. They all died. I mentor 35 people at various frequencies. And so if you're there thinking, uh, uh, well, it's too late for me. I didn't have that loving mom that Karen had. Go find yourself a mentor. Mm-hmm. They're out there. And I'll yeah. tell you, you can find older people who want to still be relevant. Like, I'm pretty old. I, I'd surprise the heck out of Karen if she knew how old <laughs> I was. Uh, uh, I, I'm older by 10 years than how she thinks I am. Uh, now she's going to go look it up. But I think, but if you're a bit older, one of the best things you can do for yourself and is, and one of the best ways to be relevant is you help people like Karen land in their future because they are the future. And so if you're a young person thinking, well, where do I find them? There's a lot of people who are older who, who still want to feel relevant. So they're out there. Just go find them. So sorry for that tangent, but the, it, it was just such a lesson to be taught from your, uh, from your experience. And, uh, and I think, by the way, having those people, be it your, if you're fortunate enough, your parents or mentors, that's what allows you to take risk. risk. Because, because if you fall on your face... I have seven dead mentors who uh, will pick me up. They'll talk to me and I'll say, oh, I can't believe, can't believe I did that podcast. I can't believe I did a podcast with Karen Hardy and I talked more than she did. What kind of host, <laughs> what kind of crappy host is that? You know, and what my mentors would say is, well, did she seem to mind? I said, I don't know. She'll tell me afterwards. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but anyway, but I just want to thank you for allowing me to do that. Uh, well, Mark, I do, want to, I do want to add this. You talked about, you know, people who may not, who may not have the same ideal parents. And, you know, all of our lives aren't perfect. You know, I may have been a plus up in, with the parent and maybe I was a minus somewhere else. You know, I lacked something somewhere else. But I like the idea where you said that, well, 
if you don't have that ideal parent, you can find an ideal mentor. And for mm -hmm. me, as you were saying that, the first thing I was imagining and picturing in my head was my mother repainting the table. Mm. Watching her repaint the table was her way of saying, renew yourself. Mm. You know, you know, um, redefine the narrative around your life. Just by that image in my head mm. of her repainting the table, she made new furniture out of something old and it seemed like something Ooh. new. It looked different than the previous situation. So your whole attitude changes, right? So that's what I've done. This I've been repainting tables, <laughs> you know, for my life. That's fascinating because I, I, I remember 20 minutes ago in this interview, I, we zoomed in on you know, you'll see something, you see that it can be something else. And I just saw the table that she thought <laughs> could be something else. She didn't say throw it away, we'll repaint it. So the repainting tables lives on through you. Amazing. Yeah, she repurposed a lot of things. She repurposed, she, she made things that were not originally designed for what it was into something else all the time. You know, being in a small house like that, Mm. With all those kids, eight kids, siblings, by the time I came around, there was no crib. I was put in a, a chest of drawer. Oh. A chest of drawer is not a crib, <laughs> okay? But it was repurposed for that, for that, you know, for me. Right? God, God love Effie, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the angels are dancing right now, but, you know, Seeing that, I mean, anyone could say, oh, God, that's awful. You had, you had to be, you know, put in a chest of drawer. No, I saw there was a place to sleep and I was kept warm, <laughs> you know, but she repurposed these things. And that's what you have to do. The original design may not have to, may not matter anymore. It's what you make it that matters. That is terrific. Uh, so, um Talk a little bit, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to leave in a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about how all this relates to risk and risk management. Right. Because, it, because yeah. connect the dots for us because we're circling around it, but talk a little bit about how you've come to understand risk and how you try to get your, your clients to understand risk so they can tolerate more of it. Yeah, well, for me, um, risk came about, I wasn't afraid of it. I wasn't afraid to take a chance because I knew that I could repaint the table. You know, if it didn't work out, what, what's the worst that could happen to me? Because I knew how to repaint a table. You follow me? I had that image in my head already. So, you know, I had, I learned how to use the things that I had and then just shopping the tools a little bit better but I'm not going to say that was the only thing you need. You also need the, the confidence to do that, right? And that confidence comes from, you know, failing or, you know, falling short, but having, as you call something, heart to get up and say, that's not the legacy of my mom. You know, she got up every morning and she went and she did the same thing every day mm. through repetition, right? And I've learned that through repetition, you know, I can win. That, that would be my strong suit, 
right? So taking a risk meant don't be afraid to take chances. Don't worry about what you can lose. You can calculate it, the loss. But sometimes you have to take risk based on instinct. Sometimes you're not going to have the information in front of you and study up and figure out whether this is the right, right way to go or not, right? Sometimes you have to make a decision right then and there. Hopefully experience serves that, that as a resource to help inform you of that decision, right? If you want a better life, you have to take some risks. If I wanted an excellent career the way I had, I, I took some risks. I wrote a book when my boss told me not to, right? But there was a risk I was willing to take because if I didn't take that risk, I'd be sitting behind my desk right now and no one would care who Karen Hardy is. But because I stepped out to, and believed that I could repaint a table in that industry, I found that table, I repainted that table, it became something else for other people, right? Now, what I tell clients is this, I don't, the first thing I don't do, I don't define risk for them. I used to, but I stopped. Because it doesn't help to have a textbook definition of risk. No one cares. The question is, what is risk to you? Because how you define it is how you're going to manage it and how you're going to relate to it, right? That's the starting point. And then I add, you know, the narrative that goes with the term and give some examples of risk taking based on interviews I've had with you and other people who have done enormous things and taken risks. But what was their mindset? And, you know, just based on feedback that I've gotten, people um, walk away with the thought, you know, I never thought of it that way. And actually, that's my metric. That's my metric for success. If someone can say after I have a conversation with them about opportunity and the risk that comes with that opportunity and seeing it a little bit differently, it removes the fear and they're able to say, I didn't think of it that way. I see things differently. And that changes their entire attitude and pursuit. So it almost sounds like you're saying the worst that can happen from taking a risk and failing is you, is you learn a lesson. You know, it becomes a lesson. And so, yeah, it'd be nice if it's a victory, but, uh, but there's a silver lining in any risk you take if you're willing to not panic and say, you know, what, this has something to teach me. It may, it may not be teaching me today, but it'll probably, it'll probably teach me, you know, in a, well, in a little bit. Yeah, people need to understand that, you know, there's a lot to be gained by taking a risk. It's, it's all about, you know, risk is not bad. <laughs> okay, people disequated with something bad happening, like with COVID, you know, a lot of risk professionals being, you know, called up to help manage this big pandemic, right? But, you know, risk is just not for bad times. It's for good times, too. The case mm -hmm. in point is, is Zoom. Zoom, just a little, you know, company <laughs> before COVID, right? But when one risk happens in one area, it becomes an opportunity for somebody else. So pandemic happened, but it was a great upswing, upside for Zoom. Mm -hmm. Question is, whether you're a business or individual, are you going to be ready for the upswing, right? If risk is happening somewhere else, somewhere else it could mean a plus up for you on the other side depending on where you're positioned. And Zoom in an example of, you know, this is great for us, even though something bad is happening. 
but are you going to be ready for it? And they had to scramble to get ready for this onslaught of new clients. That can happen. That's managing risk, but it's not always just managing bad things. Okay, there's an upswing as well. And people need to take that perspective in their life and their business as well. Think about where they want to go, where they want to be, take an assessment of those things that can threaten your success, and then manage it accordingly. The key is that it's not uh, reactive. Don't wait for something to happen to react. Be proactive. Assess what those things could be because, you know, there's no guarantee that things won't happen, but you can uh, control the impact of those things happening to you. Is there a muscle that people build? Is it, is it resilient? What's, what's the muscle that people build who can manage risk better than people who can't? I think foresight. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Because some people see risk as terrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason why they do that is because you have to marry opportunity and risk together. It's not two separate conversations. You have to, there has to be a gain in it for you. And it's important to understand what that gain is, right? And then assess the risk associated with those things. So the muscle is mindset, right? It changes your mindset and you're not so scared about it. Risk can paralyze you. You're afraid of the lion in the street, you know, roaring your imagination. But if you just have practical tools to sit down and do a simple assessment, and sometimes you need to be coached through that assessment, you, you don't have that, that fear that you thought could block you from actually moving forward, from paralyzing you, from taking action. I mean, we've all done it, right? What would I do? What if, what if, what if? Well, sometimes you need people to see the other side of what that what if is for you and then motivate you to take action. That is a wonderful summary uh, of, of your wisdom and insight about risk. You know, uh, I never thought to put those things together, but you're absolutely right, is with every opportunity, of course, there is risk associated with it. And instead of waiting for the risk to come up and surprise you and paralyze you, just realize it's, it's part of the package. You got an opportunity, there's risk associated with it. And the more you can think about what if, and then, you know, manage it. And even if a different what if happens, it, it just gets your mindset ready to, well, I'm going after this opportunity and here are some of the risks and here's my best, my best guess at how to manage those if that happens. But if yeah. something else happens, I'll manage those. So that's, a, that's, that's wonderful. Well, yeah, I don't want people to think that this is just a, a C-suite or boardroom activity and responsibility. I've seen because of COVID on the news, I've seen interviews of corporations talking about, oh, this is a huge risk, you know, the risk and all this. But I've also seen interviews of the barber down the street talk about risk. Now, that was amazing to me because people don't think that they have a part of the conversation and they actually do. But you just can't show up doing an event to talk about risk. Risk should have been talked about doing sunny days. <laughs> it doesn't have to rain. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can talk about it when the weather's great. And people need to, you know, take that stance when it comes to managing risk like that, you know. But the key thing is to be proactive. Mm -hmm. Since COVID, what have you done? Have you done a risk assessment for your company, for yourself? Have you done that? Have you looked at those things? Have you put things in place in order and then look at that on a daily basis? 
because you can't, you know, you can't eliminate risk, but you can manage the impact it has. Yeah, I, I think, well, well uh, I can see uh, you got to run off to something else and I do too. But I, I you know, I, I can see how the word risk is really, it's tough to work around, you know, because you say the word risk and people, they startle right. and it's yeah, not. Yeah, they freeze up. Yeah, they freeze up and it's not. And I think what Karen's share, sharing with us Risk is not a negative. It's uh, uh, if you take it on in a proactive way, you know, it, it could be one of the keys to your success. And certainly if you are afraid of it, it's going to be, it'll definitely be one of the keys to your failure. <laughs> but yeah. the way to look at risk in a, uh, what do they say? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Well, maybe risk needs another name, but uh, for now, <laughs> it seems to be working well. And, Thank you for being on, Karen. Tell people where they can find you. Oh, definitely. You can go to drkarenhardyspeaks.com for more information about risk and you know some of the, the talks I've done on uh, the, the benefits of chaos and things like that that's coming up. That's great. Well, thank you again for being on. And to my listeners, thanks again for tuning in to my wake-up call. I, uh, and thank you. Uh, and I'm sure you listened through this entire podcast because Karen was just just kept me awake the whole time. And uh, thank you for being you. Thank you. Uh, Effie would be proud. <laughs> yes, indeed she would. It was a pleasure talking to you, Mark, and to your audience today. Thank you. Take care.